we're talking about the 23rd Psalm. And remember where we ended last week? We talked about how that the Lord, He brings us to green pastures. Now that sounds good, doesn't it? Green pastures. We can feed and it's nice and, and, and it's sustaining and God restores us. And then after that, remember what it was? He leads us beside still waters. And that sounds great. So just kind of imagine yourself as a sheep and you're in this lovely place, green pastures, nice still waters, and the still waters was a reflection a place of reflection where we can see ourselves, we can see God. God can speak to us and we can be restored and encouraged and fed. And you would think, this is a place I would like to stay, right? And all of a sudden, that's verse 3, up to verse 3. Now all of a sudden, verse 4, everything falls apart. And all of a sudden, instead of being in green pastures and still waters. Now all of a sudden, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And my thought was, what happened? I want to stay in the, I want to stay where the green water, excuse me, the green water. I want to stay where the green grass and still waters are. Why am I in this valley? Why am I in a situation where I, it's so bad that I even might fear death? And I thought about that. I thought, what a dramatic change that God led David to write in the 23rd Psalm. And my first response was, why? Why in the world would you go from still waters to walking in a valley that was dangerous, steep, dark, And I believe the Lord is trying to say to us, you know, this is real life. You don't get to stay beside still waters. This is real life. We go through valleys. Yeah, it'd be great if we could stay near green pastures and still waters. But the truth of it is we go through valleys. We go through valleys that it seems like it's going to destroy us. You may go through the valley of loss of a loved one, the loss of financial hardship. You may go through a valley of rejection and hardship. You may fear for your life because the doctor told you you might have cancer. We all go through different valleys in life. And it is not realistic and it is not real to say that we're just going to enjoy a green pasture and just lay down beside the still water. The truth of it is, we go through valleys. And we trust our shepherd, Jesus, that he is a good shepherd. Now, I want to say this, is that I do spend some time when I go through situations that I don't understand. I spend some time asking why. How many of you are 
why askers? You know what I'm talking about? You say, why? Why is this happening? Why am I going through this? And I want to tell you two things I've learned about asking why. The very first thing I want to tell you, and that is, generally speaking, it's a waste of time. And the reason is, is because you never really come to an answer. And even if you come to an answer, you're not absolutely sure that's the answer. Wise are very elusive. And then the second thing I've learned about wise, and this is probably the most important, and I want you to hear what I say. Not everything that happens in our life is God's plan or God's design. Bad things happen, and it may not be God's plan. As long as we have free will and we live in a sinful, fallen world with evil people and a real devil, bad things happen and people make bad choices. And those bad choices affect a lot of people. And so not everything that happens is God's plan. His promise was is that If you go through a bad situation, he's there with you. He will help you. You will get out of it. You will recover. God will restore you. He will help you. And I think that you have to make a decision to choose not to fear. Because that's what he says. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Let's read the 23rd Psalm. We read it each time. Let's read the whole thing. I'm going to ask you if you would read it out loud with me. Can we do that? Let's put the 23rd. Let's read it, and we're going to read it aloud together. Ready? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. All the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. I think that God wants to teach us that He is our protector. That's what I see in verse 4. When He says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. And the reason that I can fear no evil because he's with me. He's here with us. You know, the good news is that he is a shepherd who's not way up on the mountain looking down in the valley saying, how's it doing down there? No. He says, I'm with you. We have a shepherd who's right there, who's leading the way, 
who's scouting the best pathway. If God is leading us through a valley, there's a good reason. And He's with us. He will not abandon us. He will not forsake us. He will see us through whatever valley we're going through. And as I was preparing this message, I felt like the Lord said that there would be many people in this congregation today that are going through all kinds of valleys, all kinds of situations. And one of the feelings that we get, and the enemy, of course, helps, one of the feelings and emotions that we go through is that we've been left alone. Why did that happen? God has abandoned me, and I just want to tell you, he tells us here, the reason I will not fear evil, you're with me. You're right there. And so God's word to you today, he is with you. He is with you. And I believe there are some things in here that I believe God wants to speak to our heart to show us how he's our protector. How is God our protector? Because I believe he is our protector. So let's just look at a couple of things. The very first one, and that is God defends us from the enemy. God defends us from the enemy. The enemy uses fear. How many of you have ever experienced real fear of your life? Let me see your hand. You know, you may live your whole life and never really come to grips with a real fear, but it happens. And the enemy wants you to fear. Why does the enemy want you to fear? Because he wants to paralyze you. He wants to stop you. He wants to intimidate you. He wants you to not count for God. He wants you to shut your mouth and not speak a word of righteousness. He wants you to keep your mouth shut so that you will not stand up for God. And he uses fear to paralyze us. And I just want to tell you, you don't have to give in to that fear. He is our defense. He is our protector. Look at verse 4 and let's read it from the New Living Translation. It says a little different. I like this. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid. For you are close beside me. I like that. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You know, one of the fears that we all face, and and there are different ones that, you know, the enemy uses. But to be honest with you, the greatest fear is the fear of death and what lies beyond. And really... If you're prepared for death, the enemy has no power over you. Look, if you would, passage in 1 John chapter 4. Powerful verse because it it gives us some insight how we can deal with these fears and anxieties. Look, if you would, verse 16, it says, We know how much God loves us and we have put our trust in His love. God is is love. Notice the focus is on love. And all who live in love live in God and God lives in them. And as we live in God, our love grows more perfect. 
So, we will not be afraid on the day of judgment. But we can face Him with confidence because we live like Jesus here in this world. Such love has no fear. Because perfect love, I like this, expels, cast out fear. All fear. If we are afraid, it is for fear of punishment. And this shows that we have not fully experienced His perfect love. If we give in to fear, it is because we have forgotten that He loves us. And that He's already overcome the enemy. And that we do not have to fear death. We do not have to fear judgment. We can stand and know every day that we are ready to meet Him. And if the sting or the fear of death, if the sting of death has been taken away, what can the enemy do? What power does the enemy have over us? Nothing. He cannot cast us into hell. Because God has poured out His love in our heart through Jesus Christ. And so, the perfect love of God, understanding, receiving, and believing that He loves us, and He has expressed that love in His Son Jesus, that cast out, it expels all fear. And I don't care what fear it is, whether it's fear of dying, fear of loss, fear of being alone, fear of darkness. It doesn't really matter what kind of fear you have. If you believe that God loves you, you are convinced of that. You can tell that fear to leave. It has no grounds. It has no legal authority. It has nothing to attack you with. Now, if that fear rises up, you have to declare what you know to be true. We, uh, thinking about hunting, uh, we were at a hunting place out in Uvalde, Texas, where I uh, had a place, and we were skinning a deer that we had killed um, late at night, and the skinning rack is about 60, 50, maybe 60 yards uh, from the camp. So you're out there, and we got lights and everything, and so we're skinning, and Jose Delgado was with, with me, and we were skinning this deer, and, and we heard this blood-curdling scream of a mountain lion. We have mountain lions out there. And I don't know if you've ever been 50 yards from the scream of a mountain lion. It just sends chill bumps up your back. And I just thought, oh my goodness, you know, this thing is as close as I've ever seen it. And what, of course, is going on, he smells that blood. And he thinks, this is going to be a meal. However, I don't really want to be a part of that meal. So I I looked at Jose, and Jose looked at me, and and he said, what was that? And I said, that was a mountain lion. And he he looked at me, and he said, do you have a gun? I said, no, they're all in the camp. And he said, why don't we go in the camp? It was like, forget skinning this deer, you know, let's, let's get in there. And I thought if the lights went out about that time, I would experience real fear. 
long as I had good light from there to the camp, I was fine. But if had the lights gone out, knowing that mountain lion could be there, I would probably run fast. And I'm not a fast runner, but I would make it there somehow. Real fear. But I want to tell you, if you remember, he loves you. And he's not finished with you yet. And God has a plan and a purpose for your life. It really doesn't matter what happens. It doesn't matter what you go through. You may be going through a financial valley right now. God will be with you. He will help you. And you don't have to fear. Because he loves you. And because he loves you, it should expel all of that fear. The second thing, uh, another scripture I want to look at, and that is Hebrews 2. This is, I, I love this. I don't want to miss this. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. It says this, Because God's children are human beings made of flesh and blood, the Son also became flesh and blood. For only as a human being could he die, and only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. You don't have to live as a slave to the fear of dying because He's with you, He loves you, and perfect love casts out fear. Second thing I want us to see about God being our protector, and that is He protects us with His rod and His staff. You notice that. Let me just, uh, we have that rod and the staff. So, just as a point of illustration, uh, he said, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Let me talk just a moment, first of all, about the rod. The rod was basically a sturdy, strong, straight shaft of wood. And this is used as a weapon. You could swing it. You could poke the predator, lion, wolf, whatever it is. You could do whatever you had to do to protect the sheep. And it had to be strong. It had to be sturdy. And the shepherd was skilled at using it as a weapon. And I thought about when Jesus was faced with the temptation from the enemy in the wilderness. What did Jesus do? He said, it is written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. He used the the rod of the word of God and told the enemy he had no power and authority over him. And I want to tell you, I believe just as the shepherd uses the rod to expel the enemy, you can use the rod of God's word. And say, it is written. God's word declares. And when you begin to declare the power of God's word, this has power over the enemy. If you want to expel the enemy, if you want to defend yourself, declare the truth of God's word. Yesterday, my wife, in the middle of the day, she she said she began to have pain. in her side, a real sharp pain. 
And she said, Renee, I want you to pray for me. And so we got some oil. And they began to anoint her with oil and pray the prayer of faith. But not just pray the prayer of faith. Satan, you are a liar. In the name of Jesus, you are a liar. I reject all of your attacks against me in the name of Jesus. We recognize your attempt to attack us on Saturday afternoon right before church. In the name of Jesus, you have been defeated. Devil, you have been defeated by the cross and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to tell you, you begin to declare the power of God's Word and what God's Word says. The enemy has to flee. It says you resist the enemy and the enemy has to flee. How do you resist him? You use the Word of God. You begin to declare the power of His Word. And this is where it helps if you're skilled in the Word of God. You need to be a workman who can rightly divide the word of the truth. Now, I attempt every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night to declare the word of the Lord. Why? Because I want you to be full of his word so that when the enemy comes to attack you, you can declare the truth of God's word. And you can use that word to say, devil, you leave me alone. When the enemy begins to attack your children, you need to stand up with the rod, with the rod of God's Word, and declare the truth of God's Word. Your children are not going to be under attack in the name of Jesus. You need to stand against the enemy and use the Word of God. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So, a staff, it usually was straight, not quite as sturdy, it didn't have to be. But it had the rounded crook at the end. And that was used primarily for two things. When sheep wander, and sheep have a tendency to wander, (laughs) then it was the shepherd would use that to grab that sheep and uh, wrong way, wrong way, this way, and pull gently, not to hurt the sheep, but to gently guide that sheep back on the right pathway. And you know, I just thought how the Holy Spirit is what God sends for us. And if you begin to wander, how many of you have ever wandered before? Yeah, you've probably all wandered. We've all wandered. But when the Holy Spirit, God sends His Holy Spirit, and that Holy Spirit begins to draw you back, speak to your heart, draw you back, woo you back into God's presence, bring you back to church, bring you back into his presence, bring you back to reading his word. The rod is like the word of God that is a weapon against the enemy. But the staff, I believe it relates to the Holy Spirit. I said he uses it for two primary purposes. The first was to guide and lead. The second was Encase the sheep, and sheep have a tendency, and, and it has to do with they don't have a good sense of balance. And a lot of that has to do with they're kind of top-heavy with all that wool. And so what they would do, they would constantly be finding themselves in tight places, stuck in rocks and crevices and places where they couldn't quite get out of there. And so the shepherd, especially as they're going through the valley, especially when they're tight or they get in a difficult place, 
he would reach down and pull that sheep out of that tight place. And I just thought how, you know, the Holy Spirit is good at getting us out of tight places. How many of you have ever worked your way into a tight place? You know, you understand tight place? Difficult situation. Made some choices that you wished you hadn't made. And then said some things you wished you hadn't said. And, and, and you find, you know, words are hard to eat. You say it and it's there. Can't reach out and grab it and get it back in there. Even when you mess up, even when you put yourself in a tight place, the Holy Spirit is with us. And notice what David is saying. He's saying, I don't have to be afraid. Not only are you with me, but your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I'm comforted knowing that His Holy Spirit is there to draw us back when we wander. His Holy Spirit is there to get us out of tight places. And the Word of God is powerful and sharp like a two-edged sword. It is like the rod of God to ward off the enemy. Whenever the enemy comes in like a flood. So David was using terminology as a shepherd. And he understood the necessity of the rod and the staff. Interesting that normally the shepherd would keep the staff with him because he used that far more than he had the rod. Because the enemy didn't show up, but when it did show up, the rod was not far away. He would reach for it to defend against a wolf or a lion or a bear, whatever would come in. And so I just want to encourage you, keep the Word of God handy. Hide it in your heart. Be ready to use the Word of God. And don't be afraid to declare the power of God's Word when you're under attack. We are, un, we are in a season. And I don't know if you sense it... Um, I, I just, I'll say this for whatever it's worth. As, as I was praying this morning, I'm all, I get up early. Um, and as I'm presenting myself before the Lord, say, Lord, use, my, use me today. Uh, speak to my heart. Speak through me. I just felt like the Lord said, just a cloud of darkness has swept over our land. I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but... I'm just saying it's just like a, 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 a cloud of darkness has covered our land. And the enemy is stirred up. And the enemy wants to paralyze the church with fear. And I just want to say to you, do not give in to that fear. And admittedly, the election cycle that we're in... Uh, I guess it's been an election cycle like we've never been in in our nation. There's never been anything like it. We have two very badly flawed candidates. That's just the truth. But I want to encourage you, do not sit home and not vote.
Too many people have died on the battlefield for the freedom to vote. So what that means, if you will vote, and I strongly encourage you to vote, you only have four choices. Vote for Hillary, Trump, or one of the other candidates. Or you cannot vote. I hope you won't choose that option. And I want to encourage you. Whenever you have two badly flawed candidates, really only one of two are going to win. That's the practicality of it. I encourage you, don't get caught up in all the diversionary past stuff. Vote policy, not personality. Vote for the direction that you want your country to go in, not personalities. Because neither personality is good. That's just the way it is. They're, they both have serious problems. So I want to encourage you. Don't sit at home, though. Don't just do nothing. And don't waste your vote on a third-party candidate. I encourage you, vote. And don't give in to fear. It's a plan of the enemy to paralyze the church. I said this a couple of weeks ago, and that is, you know, in the last election cycle, I think they, I looked at, later at the numbers, and they said close to, you know, 16 million Christians did not vote. Amazing number. Sad. And again, they didn't, they didn't like the choices. Well, you know, the truth of it is, you may never like the choices. <laughs> That's just the way it is. Politics is that way. But look at the policies. We actually have a voter's guide that we have out there in the guest services. You want to look at it? It just simply lists where each candidate stands. They support or oppose different areas. Decide what things are important for me. I look at two issues primarily, and that is what do they say about abortion? Because to me, that is the number one, my heart. I want to know what they say about abortion. To me, that is extremely important. And the second thing is, what do they say about the Supreme Court? Because the Supreme Court will determine the course of our nation about abortion and a bunch of other things for the next 30 or 40 years. So I encourage you. Now, other issues, I know everybody's interested in all those other issues. Those two, that's what I'm interested in. Find the candidate that supports the policies and forget about the personalities. God is our protector. And, and guess what? On November the 9th, Jesus is still going to be reigning. <laughs> the day after this thing is over, and I'll be glad when it's over, hallelujah, He is still Lord. God has made it through a lot of different presidents. <laughs> God does not fall off His throne. He still reigns on high. We may groan, but God has a plan and a purpose. The third, third thing I want us to see from this, and that is God protects us and delivers us from every curse. And this is an area I found that people, they struggle with. I had a lady... This is a conversation about a month and a half ago. She wanted me to pray for her children 
and which I was glad to do. But then she said, I want you to pray for them because of what they might do. I says, come again? She said, I want you to pray for them uh, what they might do. And I thought, where is she coming from? So I just asked her, I said, what in the world are you talking about? You're not worried about what they've done, but what they might do? She said, yeah, I'm worried about what they might do. And then she began to explain. And she said that alcoholism had been a problem of her great-grandfather, of her grandfather, and of her father. And felt that probably her children were going to have to face the same battle and that she would face the same battle. I said, are you having a problem with this right now? She said, no. She was born again. She was full of the Spirit. She was walking with the Lord. And I said, so where did this understanding come from? She said, well, somebody talked to me about generational curses. And she said, I understand that because these things happen in my past and my history, then probably my children are going to have the same problem. And what I want to say to you right now is what I told her. I'm going to ask you to turn to Exodus chapter 20 because it's important that you understand generational curses. Look at Exodus 20, verse 4 through 6. This is where the origins of this generational curse thing comes from. You must not make for yourself an idol of any kind or an image of anything in the heavens or on the sea or in the, uh, on the earth or in the sea. You must bow, not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God who will not tolerate your affection for any other gods. What's this. I lay the sins of the parents upon their children. The entire family is affected, even children in the third and fourth generations of those who reject me. Did you catch that? So it had a qualifier to that verse that the sins of the parents and grandparents would be transferred or passed on to the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me and those who reject God. But look at verse 6. But I lavish, I love this, unfailing love for a thousand generations on those who love me and obey my commands. So, and what I told this lady, I said, ma'am, I said, you have broken every generational curse by walking with Jesus Christ as the Lord of your life. When you accept Jesus Christ as Lord of your life and you walk in God's ways, verse 6 applies to you and your children and your children's children. As long as you will walk with God and love God and follow in His ways, everything grand, great-granddaddy and granddaddy and father and everybody, all what they did is gone. You see, at some point, at some point, You have to decide a new legacy, a new direction for your home and your family. You do not have to walk in the sins of your father or your grandfather. Because if you walk with God and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, that generational curse is broken in the name of the Lord Jesus. 
you may have a past that you're not proud of. The good news, your past doesn't have to be your present or your future. You can choose a new walk. You can choose a new path. Some of you have parents that did terrible things. Maybe they did terrible things to you. The good news is, you can choose a new way. You can walk in a new pathway. Let me just explain a little more in detail how this works. And follow me if I can. I want to do this correctly. When you make sinful choices, it invites demonic activity. Okay? And when you make those sinful choices and sinful lifestyle, you invite those demonic forces to begin to attack your family. What happens is then strongholds are then built in your own life. Okay? Now, the practical thing, if you walk in a sinful way of life, your children will pick up and imitate the parents. And at the point where your children begin to make choices similar to their parents, now all of a sudden they've made the choice and now they've invited demonic activity and now that demonic activity is going to invite strongholds to be built in their life. And on and on goes for generation after generation after generation after generation. It's the choosing of the lifestyle of sin. And a rejection of God and God's ways that allows this to be passed on to your children. It's not that God is putting something on your children. It's that your children are watching you. And they're following you. And they're imitating you. And when they do that, then they begin to have those same strongholds in their life that you had in your life. Good news is, you can walk a new way. You can choose a new pathway. Your children do not have to walk in the way you walked. You can break every stronghold, but it is based upon the Lordship of Jesus Christ in your life. You can begin a new way. You break those sinful habits in your life. And now you begin to imitate and and help your children to walk in that new way. And they begin to walk in God's ways. And the promise is if you will walk in the ways of the Lord, your children will pick that up. And they may wander and jump around, but they learn the right way. They will walk in the ways of the Lord. And that is so true. So many times we see that all the time children may walk and wander and go here and go there but if they're taught the right way it's amazing why because children want to imitate their parents they do they may get rebellious for a time but this is where the Holy Spirit will draw your children work on them draw them in draw them back but it all starts with the decision. Look, if you would, to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 13. If it seems we are crazy, 
been called crazy before. It is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. So, we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. And one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. Verse 17, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has what? Become a new person. The old life is doing what? It's gone. And a new life has begun. That's what we're talking about. The old way, the way your daddy did or the way your great-granny daddy did or whoever it was, it's over. And I want to say this to parents. Parents, you have a chance to break the lifestyle that maybe was passed on for so many generations. You can choose a new path, a new way. A new life in Christ. You know, that day with that lady, I began to talk to her. And she began to realize, the light began to come onto her mind. And she realized, you know, she could be set free. That she was free. That her children didn't have to walk in that. I prayed with her. And we prayed that any generational curse, any thoughts of walking that way that might have entered their children that thing is broken in the name of Jesus and I believe it was and next week is going to be so important not only do we have water baptisms next week Andrew Eastman is going to be here next week it's going to be exciting but I'm going to be preaching on how to protect your home from evil how to cover your home by the blood of Jesus protect your home by the blood of Jesus we need homes that are covered in the blood of Jesus we do it's going to be next week I want to encourage you today that you would if you haven't made this decision you would make this decision there's some of you here that you're concerned or maybe have been concerned about your past Maybe your father's past or grandfather. I want to encourage you today. Trust the accuracy of God's word. That that curse does not apply to those who walk with God. It only applies to those who have rejected God. And who have rejected God's ways. Today, you can choose a new pathway. There are people in this room... You need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You know, that's not some simple sinner's prayer. It is a decision of lordship to say Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life. It is a surrender to him being Lord of your life. When you make that kind of quality decision, every generational curse is broken. 
It is broken in the name of Jesus. And not only are you set free, but your children will be set free. And you begin to live a legacy that your children can walk in, a new pathway. I'm going to ask you, if you would, just to stand to your feet. A lot of people, I'd, I encourage you not to slip out. You can wait just a few more moments. Reverent, holy time. You know, decisions of eternity are made right now. I believe heaven holds its breath waiting for the decisions that some of you are going to make right now. Today, some of you need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. You see that you are beginning to walk in the way your daddy and your mama walked. Because you've picked up some of those habits. And today, you can break that by making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about lordship. A surrender of lordship and being born again by the Holy Spirit. Accepting the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of your sin. And becoming a brand new person. Lord... Speak to us today. Speak to heart today. There are people in this room that need to surrender to you, to your Lordship. Pray, Lord. Pray for lives to be changed, the direction of their life to be changed in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you would be willing to make Jesus Lord of your life. You've never surrendered to His Lordship and you want to be born again. You want to change the direction of your life and break those generational curses upon your life. I'm going to ask you to get out of your chair and come right down here and meet me. I want to pray with you. Would you come? Troy's going to sing, It is well with my soul. But why he sings, I just want to encourage you. Would you come out of your chair, come down here and pray with me? Would you come? Anybody? You need to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life. Would you make that decision? Quality decision. Anybody? Anybody? some other people. You need to break the generational curse in your family. You need to make him Lord of your life. I know there's some other people here today. God has put you here. He's brought you here today. Would you come? Anybody else? Would you make that decision today? This is heaven or hell decision. It's life or death decision. With my soul, it is well. With my
Okay. One other thing I want to do. I'm going to pray with this lady. But if you would be, if you want me to pray with you and just agree with you for the generational curses, maybe you've been walking with the Lord, but just I wanted you to join with me in a prayer of agreement to break those generational curses. Would you come? Let me pray with you. Come on. Let's just let's just have a prayer of agreement to say whatever my daddy did, whatever my granddaddy did, we're, you're going to stop this. And and I want to agree with you for your children to walk in the ways of the Lord. That any curse of generational curses broken in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to wait just a moment. Come and pray with me. Thank you, Lord. Pray out loud to me. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus I give my heart to you. I claim the blood of Jesus as forgiveness of my sin. Come into my heart, Lord. Make me a brand new person. I declare Jesus as Lord of my life. Satan has no place in my life. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Fill me with the Holy Spirit. And cause me to walk in your way, Lord. In the name of Jesus. Amen. 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 According to the Word of God, when, when you pray that, you become a brand new person. You know, spiritual change in your heart. God takes away the old heart gives you a brand new heart. Amazing. Amen. All right, everybody else, let's pray. And if you want to pray with us out there, let's, let's pray and believe God to break every generational curse. Pray out loud with me. Heavenly Father, I declare Jesus is my Lord. I love you. I walk in your ways. Therefore, every generational curse is broken. My children will walk in the ways of the Lord. My children... We'll honor the Lord. Thank you, Lord. I am free. My children are free. My grandchildren will be free. To the third and fourth generation, we will walk with the Lord. Thank you, Father. I am free from the enemy. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Bless the name of the Lord. Do not give in to fear. Do not allow that fear to rise up. But instead, use the rod of the Word of God and declare you've been set free in the name of Jesus. Amen.